Hello, this is Netflix's, HBO's and internationally successful comedian Daniel Sloss's voice here to help promote Brad Scott's, I don't know what it's called, whatever his new fucking thing is, whatever this new fucking thing is that he's doing, this thing that you're listening to, I endorse it uh, because despite the fact that very little that he's done has gone well, I still believe in the cunt, so... Hopefully this is it. Hopefully this is the thing you need. Enjoy, enjoy the podcast, the show, the f- whatever this fucking is. Enjoy it. All right. Hey, let me put this up here. Hey, there he is. <laughs> Can you hear us? Yeah, what's happening? Yeah, I got you guys. Cool, cool. Let me turn you up on here. That's a recording. Cool. Yeah, Zoom didn't want to play nice, apparently. I get it, man. This thing always does whatever it's, it wants. This is nice. Do you guys Recording do video as well? Uh, no. I mean, occasionally, okay. but uh, for this one, we're just going to do audio. Uh, yeah, cool, cool. By the way, I have a bone to pick with you, sir. Ooh. I saw yeah, the promo good. for your latest episode of Say What? And for you guys to claim you are the most inconsistent podcast. <laughs> oh, Fred, this is the second, uh, the second, th- whatever you call it, thread run, whatever, uh, of subjective comedy. And we are averaging one every uh, 90 days, Fred. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we went for like a year and a half without one. <laughs> That's about what we did, sports. too. To the point where we had to completely switch up the entire thing. Hey, I could barely hear him. Yeah. Though. I'm trying to turn him up. Oh, sorry. I, let's see. This is... I apologize. I wasn't able to get to my actual, like, mic and stuff, but... Oh, no, that's my, a lot better uh, now. I think it was my headphones. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm using the AirPods mic. Um, oh, you're good. Like, I, this, I was okay. turning the the wrong dial. I got you now. Cool. I think we're good now. Also, because we're right. almost all the way up. You just want to jump right into it? <laughs> <clears throat> I'm ready. All right. We're good. Welcome to Subjective Comedy. Very excited today. One of the best up-and-coming comedians, especially here in the Indianapolis area. This guy is mm-hmm. taking over. He is also the host of the Say What podcast. We are honored to be joined by Sohail Ali. Ah, shit. Fuck. Don't worry. They call me one take Brad. It is so how, right? Yeah, you got the you got the hard part. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, all right. The Subjective Comedy Podcast with Brad Scott. Brad Scott is a mediocre comedian, an annoying podcast host, and worst of all, my dad. Pray for me. We're downloading the premiere episode of the Showdown. And uh, we. The showdown! <laughs> Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is another episode of WrestleMania, your father's favorite podcast, and your mom hates it. The Brad Scott Experience, Brad Scott's Redemption. Welcome to Brad Scott Live. Subjective comedy starts right now. It was originally just called Stand Up, You Lazy Piece of Shit. 
Uh, let's just do like a, a bison. A bison? How are you going to yeah. fit a bison? Yeah, no Pretty way nice. in hell a bison just can live in here. You'd be like an old bison, like adopted old, you know, that bad knees. <laughs> what? A dying bison? <laughs> Who doesn't like The Simpsons? Do me a favor. If you do, if you guys do want to hit the stuff the first tonight, just be careful. Don't upset it. You wouldn't like this. We oh, I wouldn't upset it. Because that's that Bruce Banner. Welcome to Subjective Comedy. I'm Brad Scott here with The Money. We are honored to have our guest today. He is one of the best up-and-coming comedians. He is dominating the Indianapolis comedy scene. He is the uh, host of the Say What podcast. Please welcome Sohail Ali. Thank you for joining us. And Sohail, how did you get started in stand-up? Oh, well, first off, thank you for having me. Brad, it's great to be here. Brent, thank you very much um that was a very kind intro i don't know all about that but um <laughs> but uh how i first got started in comedy i always loved comedy man you know like many of us can probably say growing up watching it uh consuming as much of it as possible and then uh i was always very scared of trying it though you know why was that i, was, I did not i was not a performer I, I wasn't like these theater kids or i wasn't really you know talent show never did anything like that on stage ever so just the idea of standing in front of uh strangers and like doing anything uh would cripple me so i never tried it and then uh pandemic hit and i was i was literally about to do an open mic it was like the week before covid like hit in march of 2020 mm. and and then i was like i'm gonna go ahead and then they canceled it it was actually the bears open mic in bloomington ah. uh, shut up yeah, I know. I, I'd never gone, and I was like, I'm going to go do it. And it was like March 10th or something, and they're like, yeah, we're going to cancel it because of what's going on, but we'll be back. And then, like, never. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I sat with that regret all summer, and then I was like, fuck it, dude. As soon as I see the next open mic, I'm signing up. And that's what Helium put out, like, in August, uh, late August. Helium Indie had their mic uh, August 2020. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think possibly, though, COVID might have been – a good thing because let's say you go to that open mic in March, right? Let's say it's the last open mic before COVID really hits. And I mean, I don't know how your first open mic went, but I think most people don't have a great experience with the first time. So if it goes poorly and then you have to sit on it for months, you don't have that kind of, you know, that antsiness to get on stage and actually try it out. You have this feeling of, uh, failure almost and yeah. you now don't have another opportunity to go kind of try it out again so in a way did COVID yeah. maybe kind of help you as far as like you know stirring up that drive and desire to want to try it yeah definitely I would yeah I would say it's that drive because I was like god dude like I literally could have done it this whole time and then you know every actual comedian under the sun was like this sucks we can't do the one thing we love to do because uh, there's no crowds and it's really it's crazy to think back at that time now 
but me myself, I just felt like a giant fucking pussy because I hadn't <laughs> even tried it. And I was like, I, I was like, literally, like, anytime I say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to that, I'm like, you fucking better get to that because uh, it could be taken away for a while. So, so yeah, I think it helped. And then, yeah, as soon as they we started coming back, then we started doing like some outdoor mics here in Bloomington, you know, popping up wherever we could. Um, but yeah, shout out to Healing because they had those, we had the masks on, we had our mic covers it was nuts and how did that first open mic go it went (laughs) it certainly went i had three minutes i think i was up for maybe two and a half and i think my whole mentality was get up do it and get out and uh, i think i had maybe maybe a few laps in there maybe but uh, i've got it in my voice voice memos if i ever want to torture myself were there any uh, were there any surprises when you went up Something you didn't expect? I, I think, like, I know they always say like, oh, it's so bright. But that was like yeah. so true. Like, I remember like saying, they're like, Jesus, I can't see anything. But then uh, I realized like, oh, you're not supposed to see them. Um, that's the first yeah, thing I, I said on stage is I can't see anything up here. Yeah, but that's the yeah, that's also yeah. what you say off stage every day. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, no one showed up. But no, it's... Uh, it was, it was, yeah, it went, I was just like, you know, just trying to survive. Alex Price was the host and we were, we were back behind the door and he was like, it's your first time. I said, it's my first time. He goes, don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's honestly, so Alex is a great comic and, uh, that is actually really good advice because I, I honestly can't stand it, especially when the MC introduces somebody this is their first time you're setting someone up for failure the audience automatically you think what it does is it buys you that kind of sympathy and that empathy from the audience that they're going to take it easy on you because it's your first time but in reality they basically in their mind all of a sudden go well this guy's gonna suck yeah i i I, I see that i've had i've seen both of those scenarios for sure where it's like this guy's just getting some goodwill off the top, mm-hmm. and, and if they're a nice crowd, they're like, "Oh, okay, you know, we'll laugh for everybody." But I've also seen like the opposite of what you were saying, where it's like, "No, dude, like no one gives a shit if it's your first or your hundredth." What were the next steps that you took after that open mic? Because you become you be, you established yourself firmly in the Indianapolis slash Bloomington scene. Uh, how did you? Because we a lot of these uh, episodes are going to be geared towards people who are starting out in comedy or maybe wanting to start comedy. Uh, what was your next step into getting yourself in a club? Because you're a regular at the attic, right? I just got in at the attic. I just got in. I'm going to start hosting the mics there um, this week, actually. So very excited for that. One of but the best no, man, clubs this, in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. This is, It's a dream to even say that because I was somebody who, you know, didn't have any friends in this, didn't know anything about it. Uh, no clue, right? And, and, you know, some clubs are just such a black box. It's like you don't really know in, unless you're – until someone tells you but frankly i didn't really go all in until like uh, about a year and a half ago i would say like when i did my first mic i was like okay i did it cool and then i slowly started to make some friends like uh, thomas gerson started an iu outdoor mic because he he was still an undergrad at iu so we had outdoor stages on campus you know popped up in dun meadow doing mics still i wasn't like full throttle i was finishing i just started my master's at iu so I was kind of like very busy with classes, all the excuses, you know, <laughs> so I had all that to just be like, Wait, oh, all know, the excuses. Yeah. Yeah. That's every comics excuses. I'm busy with my masters. <laughs> Sometimes. I don't know. They got, they got seven kids. It's, it's 
for me, and that was my bullshit. Like, like, oh, I, I don't have time to write or go to mics. Like, no, you idiot, you're just scared of failing. So, so you know, I was kind of half in a little bit doing it up until the competitions uh, summer 2021, um, where it was very apparent to me that I was not spending as much time as I needed to. Mm-hmm. I was getting bounced round one. This is, you know, the Comedy Addicts, Bloomington Comedy Festival, Heliums. Um, and after Heliums, that was such a, like, a blow to me where I was like, I'm not ready for this shit that I literally quit uh, until uh, 2022. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah and then yeah, what yeah. made so you really decide, didn't. what made you decide to get back into it in 2022? Like, what, what changed? A lot of, uh, I just kept seeing, you know, I was still like <clears throat> friends with a lot of comics, seeing their posts and stuff, and it would always kill me. But frankly, just graduating in May, finally being done with school, starting a job, getting my shit together, having a routine. And then I was like, okay, dude, like outside of work, what do you want to do? And it's like, you know what you want to do. You, you fucking should go do that. Yeah. And shout out to the Bloomington scene along with my guy, Joey Cerrone. Love that kid. That you, Good dude. You guys both have this kind of – you have a very good way to approach stand-up, especially for two guys who – because Joey actually had hit me up. Uh, I had posted a thing in one of the Indianapolis comedy groups just like, hey, if anybody ever wants to advice or anybody wants to get together, I've always tried to help younger comics because when I started out, it was very much a fucking fend for yourself and learn to survive on your own. Figure this shit out on your own. And if you asked you know, people who were established – it was hard to get people to give you legitimate good advice or, you know, any any sort of insight into the business because it's such a cutthroat industry. And I've never wanted to be that way. I honestly love uh, helping people because, for one, I feel like it, it never it's never hurtful to me. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. there's these uh, if it, it feels like comics look at it is that there's limited spots for success and there's not. And so the more people that I can help and especially if one of those uh, people happens to to get on, they can that can only benefit me or at the very least having a good feeling that I did help somebody. Because, again, I learned how to kind of scratch and claw with just, you know, various mentors that kind of came in and out. And Joey had hit me up and we went and met at a, yeah. a pizza place may have been. Bears actually in Bloomington and we just sat for about two hours and I could just tell like this this guy has the right mindset and the same way when I met you at uh what's it called Walla. the Walla. Walla yeah 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 you could just you could just kind of you kind of get a feel I'm sure you're starting to pick up on that now when you uh meet different people at open mics you kind of get a feel as to people that are t- at least taking it seriously by the mindset which is differently than just even commitment it's a certain mindset it takes to do this as i'm sure you're learning where it does if you want to be truly successful at comedy it has to kind of encompass everything in your life it has to become yeah. kind of a first priority uh obviously it, you know immediate family and all that will take precedent but you know even then my kid has always realized it's like he is 1a and comedy is 1b because you know 1b make sure 1a is provided for uh, but what have you learned the most since you have been in, you know, kind of indoctrined into the full-time lifestyle? What, what's been, uh, the biggest thing that you've learned that you weren't expecting coming into comedy? Yeah. I mean, I want to, I, yeah, I want to shout out you and, and, and guys like Eric Hook and, and Devin Glass. These are guys that were, like you were saying, nice to me and, uh, you know, saw that I was actually like interested and kept coming. Uh, back every week and I think that in it itself 
it, it's I think it, the biggest thing I've learned is just be around. I think mm-hmm. that yeah. was the, that was one of the biggest yeah. things, right? It's Networking. Like, yeah, it's literally that, and you just you just just watch it, just learning, just even if you're not on, just go hang. Like I, that's what yeah. I would pick up. I would see in Indianapolis. That's what makes it such a great scene. I think is like. You go to the mics and shows, and there are people hanging out that aren't even up. They're just they're just friends. Yeah, like your 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 closest friends, I think, should have to be comics. You know, if you're really like you said, in on this, and uh, and that's what I quickly learned, and and just decided to go all in and say, okay, here's the week. How do I maximize this and, and hang out as much as possible? And and Joey for sure. Joey's a you know uh, they say you know overnight story, but he's you know three plus years easily doing his sketch comedy at IU. Uh, killing it at the attic, winner of the Bloomington Comedy Festival this year, and just yeah, I think he's a guy who definitely absorbed the best things of everyone around him, and and that's how I'm trying to be too. And, and people like you, I know you teach a class as well, so that's amazing. And I think like Indianapolis, Bloomington, even like Louisville, Cincinnati, they're they're good scenes because everyone wants everyone to do better. I think. And one um, and one of the things that I focus on when I do the comedy cheat codes, or actually we're, we rebranded it. What is it now? Warp zone. The warp zones. Uh, one of one of the things I focus on more is because you get a lot of these classes that that focus almost exclusively on writing and coming up and, and working on material. But honestly, the most important thing, especially starting out, is networking. It's yeah. like you just said. It's hanging out. And I don't know how many times I have been at an open mic and. There's it's a it's a great scene of comics at that open mic, but half of them take off to go do a shitty open mic somewhere else. And it's like there's more value in just hanging out at an open mic. Like you said, even if you don't go up, hanging out at an open mic and having your presence kind of be there than to just try to get in two sets in front of shitty open mic crowds in a night. I mean, we, right. we put so much of a focus on getting up on stage that we forget off stage is so much more important. I would, I'm, I'm willing to say it's a 50 50 split. The mm-hmm. reason that I got opportunity after opportunity, in, in spite of all my failures, <laughs> is I was really good at networking. I'm a good hang. You know, uh, yeah. people like hanging around me in person. Uh, maybe not so much on social media, but they like <laughs> hanging around me. As, you know, some of my closest friends in comedy I got from networking with. Drew Lynch, Daniel Sloss, Dave Landau, Dusty Slay are some of the biggest names in comedy now. And they have been friends of mine for years because, again, I'm just I'm I'm myself. I'm very genuine. I tell comics all the time. Yeah. yeah, Be be yourself. Be authentic. Mm -hmm. Don't like especially when talking to club managers. Do not talk to them about work. The worst thing you can do is talk to a booker about wanting to book you because every fucking comic they talk to, they know. They know you won't work. They know we all won't work. The best oh, thing you can my do. Favorite, my favorite, it's like, you, you got my, uh, my email, uh, Facebook, <laughs> my hey, man, they, they know if they, if they want to get in touch with you, they'll get in touch. You know? like, yeah. And that's that, my, uh, yeah. I tell comics all the time, be be the guy that they look forward to talking to. Find some sort of common ground that you guys have interest in that's outside of comedy. Speaking of which, uh, we're going to completely shift this interview now because I need to know, what are your thoughts on this upcoming NBA season? <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I was just watching a great clip. Man, what a pivot. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, man. It's going to be a very interesting one with the moves out and the, you know, you got the, the, the new-looking Suns. Victor Wembanyama is basically an alien on Jesus planet. Christ. 
fucking just trying not to roll an ankle every two seconds. 16 of 18 from the field in the preseason so far. 11 for 11 in the paint. And when you there's a clip uh, Lebetard show posted uh, from somebody like courtside at the Spurs Heat game. And it's Wimbenyama. He just looks like damn near from the free throw line. And he reaches over and dunks on Thomas Bryant, which if you know basketball, Thomas Bryant is not a small man. And the look on Thomas Bryant's face after he does it is just he's he's flabbergasted. He can't. This this guy is insane. If you don't know who we're talking about, he is a seven foot four alien. Basically, is the best way to describe him. He's long. He's insane. He is the future of kind of physical evolution that we're going to have as a human species. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, remember they, they unpacked the Mexican uh, aliens there? Remember that? The, 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 he's the real alien. Yeah. yeah. Look at here. Here's the proof. Yeah, yeah he lives at Area 51. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Shout out to the Spurs for getting him. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think I mean, what are, we're talking about an organization, you know, one of the top premier programs to hopefully, you know, create a, an actual good ball player, everything on and off the court, you know, coach but, pop, all that good but stuff. But maybe right? the worst organization from a fan standpoint, because you know Pop is going to deny us all the women Yama we can get, because that's just Pop. Like, I was like, Jesus Christ, so we're going to get to see this guy for 15 minutes a game. As soon as they get down by eight, right, Pop's right. going to pull him to rest him. He's going to keep him out of all of the big, <laughs> uh, you know, marquee yeah, games. Up those laces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're, high tops in them shit. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have more penalties for like not, players not playing. So we'll see how much. But he's not he's not in that category right. yet, though, right? Because right now, I believe that new rule it applies to every play, every team has a certain amount of players that are deemed uh, what is it uh, star players or something. So like it's based on uh, all star appearances or all NBA appearances or something like that. Okay, and you get okay. penalized for keeping those guys out. But he's a rookie. Yeah. So he. So I'm telling you. Oh. Pop is going to torture us as a f- basketball fan base for this entire year. Mark my words, we're Man. all going to hate him. Well, he's long enough to play from the bench, so. Yeah. Yeah. If they had jersey sales to that metric, he's definitely in the star category. I'm just part of the top five, maybe top ten jersey, I would imagine. And none of them fit. Well, he's who everybody, I mean, they have, they have <laughs> so many, they have so many games on national, the Spurs, who, what? Did they really? Not yeah. since, not since like the Duncan era have they been on TV this much. And there, I think, legitimately over half their games are going to be available on either NBA TV or through ESPN or ABC. Yeah. Man. Which is insane for a team that did not make was not even close for the number one pick. Uh, that that's just insane. And I don't the remember Nike the li- ad campaign is salivating right now. Oh yeah, this is the I mean, this is the biggest uh, you know number one pick hype since LeBron. Twenty yeah. years ago, right? Yeah, crazy. I mean, even Zion, who was kind of a physical freak. I mean, that just looks like like laughable <laughs> now that we were right, so looking right. forward to seeing Zion, and it's yeah. just like this guy is insane. Yeah. I mean, it, like he's big and can three sixty, and now it's like, look at this guy. You thought KD was crazy? But yeah, I mean, he's, he's seven foot four, but he can he can dribble like a point guard at times, and he could you know that's the biggest thing is the handle and just the coordination yeah. for a guy I, like that. Yeah, he's worried just, about those joints, man. Worried about those joints. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, he's an athlete. Like he, he's been doing this sure. his whole life. That's one of the things about, like in Europe, 
like you're basically like you're a basketball player and you like you like get homeschooled while you're playing ball and working on it. Well, wow. also in Europe they 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 pretty much teach it positionless. I mean, that's yeah. kind of how it's always been. It's why guys like Dirk were able to have kind of a jump shot and be able to dribble like well over here in America, especially through All the around. 90s, if you're over a certain height, get your ass down Under into the, the post. Yeah. Do not worry about dribbling. Catch the ball, work on your hook shot. Whereas yeah. in Europe it's again. It's very much more of a positionless type of game, which is so much more fun to watch, anyways. Yeah, yeah, and brings it to a, a, the U.S. side where it's a lot more of the Curry style of if you can't pop that three, or you're not Damian Lillard, you know. Oh, that, do not bag. bring <laughs> that <laughs> name up, Sahil. <laughs> God damn it! I am a diehard <laughs> Heat fan. Oh, you know, I should. I think I saw your color schemes kind of looking like those, those some of those Heat we color. Got ones. Okay, screwed. We got screwed. Portland will oh. rue the day. Are you kidding me? Portland will rue the Tyler Hero isn't good enough. Why did when did Tyler Hero become trash all of a sudden? He was considered one of the top young players ever since he got in the league. The man snarled at LeBron in the finals, and all of a sudden now he's trash, and that's a that's he an insult of an offer. Yeah. I didn't want to pay him either. Oh, yeah. get out of here. All right, back to comedy. Back to comedy. Sorry. <laughs> um, what, so what, what is your, you know, first of all, what are you studying at IU? What are you getting your master's in? I, I, yeah, so I finished that last May. It was in um, informatics, so that's like my day job. I do like web design for IU. That's like the job I took. That, I is, that is a smart major to go along with like comedy because, you know, a lot of our stuff – generates content online but having a good knowledge of that uh I, my dumbass when i was in college took theater which is the worst major you could take you know what you could do with a theater degree money you could teach fucking theater that's about what you <laughs> yeah, could do yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you can pretend a lot yeah my biggest regret was not doing something in broadcasting or something with the you know kind of the mechanical the, the technical but, side but, but but i also i've also seen a lot of very successful people that started out with the theater programs or their media programs. And it's just the contemporaries they were around, you know, like the people that the actors that really go in. And I'm sure maybe, I'm sure probably a lot of people you were there with are still acting to this day. Or, you know. <laughs> so I, so I went to Vincent's. <laughs> most of them are on meth. Uh, most of them have felonies. No. Hey, he was pretty good. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, they're teaching, but no, but yeah, you know. Not only that, on you stage, can take stage presence. You stage can take presence. the theater classes. I found that out later. You can take the theater classes and not be a theater man. You can have a legit, real <laughs> major and still take the classes. I did that. Ah, uh, well, just uh, you class. can learn. You can get all these skills online too. You know, boot camps and the sort. So but, what? Uh, what is comedy? What? What is? What is comedy? You know. What are the aspirations in comedy? Are, are you wanting it to be a career? Are you wanting it to, you know, is it going to be kind of more of just side hustle hobby? It would be a dream, man. I, I, as I sit, sit here right now, you know, three years technically in, I think it'd be a dream to, I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't love this to be my job. I can't think of a cooler, better job frankly than just making people laugh like that's the job really like yeah. it's insane to even call it that so uh, for me like just learning you know as much as I can seeing the business of it it's it's obviously it's extremely difficult you know people who are headlining clubs still it's a grind it's gonna be a grind always but um, I think it's it's like that like what did Seinfeld say the torture you can get comfortable with 
Um, so you know, the day job uh, uh, for now until uh, until these 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 gigs start. You know. Wait, well, you have care. a day job. You could kind of you can you kind of do that anywhere. Is it remote based? It, it yeah, my whole team is remote. I we have an office on campus. I like to go because I I don't know about you guys, but the work from home after a while, I was just I was just over it. With the work from home, I, you know, just roll over, hit the laptop, and, you know, pass out for the day. But So I like to go in and, and be like, oh, I have a job, you know, and scan in. And, then, <laughs> and it makes it makes me appreciate the after leaving and being like, all right, fucking, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, just need the structure. What have, you exactly. found to be the, what have you found to be the most challenging aspect of comedy so far in your, you know, a little over a year in? This is cocky. This is cocky right here. What the fuck do you mean, challenge? No, no. It's, 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 it's all a challenge. But at the same time, I, I did think about some, like, it's so much, it's fun, too, you know? I feel like a lot of times, you know, and I, I we go through our moments, but it's like we lose sight of that this shit's supposed to be fun, you know? Mm-hmm. I think. That happens way know? too much. People get too... Yeah. Like, it's, like it's some competition... Oh, they get this opportunity, so I don't. Oh, fuck them! No, we're all just trying to do the same thing. Like it's, you know, hundred percent. Tell jokes while people laugh. Exactly, exactly. But it's it's easy to fall into that and go, "What the fuck?" Like no one wants me, and, and you know, like I saw and you know, uninspired. I'd say uh, lately it's been, um, you know, actually setting time to write and actually doing the writing, mm-hmm. um, and having the fucking balls to actually do the new shit at the mic so it's like yeah that is tough that's you know and that is uh, really tough after you're someone like you who has had some success because you've had success with this material that you've come up with shifting out of that it it takes it takes kind of a while to you know to fully get that confidence into stuff because yeah i'm sure if you have a you have a good crowd you could go up with the material that you already you know have established no problem absolute peak confidence but the material you haven't done that hasn't been tested and true is going to be the tougher part because again i think it takes i'd say at least five to ten years minimum before somebody can find their voice it took me about 10 to 15 years in that range to find my voice to where now i'm lucky enough that i don't necessarily have to have a live audience to dictate what's good and what's not. I kind of know in my head what's going to work, what's not going to work without having to have the the sample size of a live crowd. Whereas for right. years, I mean, I, I went through an entire year and a half where I did not stray uh, from from my 15 minutes that I had that I was hosting with at Crackers. I mean, that, that 15 minutes, no matter what my set length was, it was going to be a variation of that 15 minutes, and I was fucking terrified to move away from it. But then when you finally do, you know, you get that that fe- yeah. that feeling of a new joke working. I think is one oh, of the best feelings you yes. can have. So, would you would you start to like just insert in the new stuff and and, and and slowly peel away from the the base set, or would you literally like just create a whole new set and then be like, okay, here's my first fifteen, here's my second. I did a little bit of both. So I did I, I did that more with kind of developing that fifteen. Like I started with a five, um, you know, that I did it at, at the Crackers Oh my for months uh, month. But then I got I got really lucky when I started because it was like four months in to doing open mics at Crackers that I got booked to start hosting weekends there. And that was like all of a sudden I went from a six minute set to fifteen. Seven and then back back then we had Wednesday through Sunday. So it was like eight shows. Yeah. So wow. I had to literally 
start incrementally, incrementally uh, coming up with five minutes, five minutes. And then once I got to that, I, I started the way that I found, uh, you know, once I was more established was always start with at least a couple of minutes. Like, let's say you're doing just a five minute set. The first two minutes should be two minutes you're comfortable with. Because you're never going to deliver newer material better than when you have confidence. Yeah. So if you do that first couple of minutes that you know should be the, the kind of tried and true stuff, that can get you a little bit comfortable. And it's much easier, I found, to do something new because it gives you kind of a safety net. Because the audience, you establish yeah. that you're funny to the audience. Yeah, exactly. You got them on your side already. Trying something brand new yeah. out the gate. I mean, if you're... I think that's that's insane if you're if you're kind of starting out because you're just you're setting yourself up for not just failure of that joke, but now the audience doesn't know if you're funny and yeah. the only evidence they have is that to them you're not. So I always say like, right. uh, okay, we got about two minutes, three minutes. Okay. Nine. Nine. Okay. Keep an eye on that, uh, Brent. Give me like a this or something. We got like three minutes. Um, I can't see it. So, oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> like nine forty one. Nine forty one. Okay. All right. Okay. So, yeah, I think when you uh, when you establish yourself to the audience and get mm-hmm. comfortable, it also gets them comfortable with you. Then, if the new stuff doesn't work, you could always you could always fall back on the oh well that didn't work or that was new yeah. and those little lines like there it just it kind of right, saves. Like sandwich it. Yeah, yeah. Like sandwich you can bring it back yeah. with something that works. Yeah, again. close on something strong. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing, man, to have that. Cause I, I always hear this, and I think it applies to comedy. It was like a Watson IBM theory that if you want to increase your success rate, you have to double your failure rate. And that is like, a, I'm trying to like make that like my mantra where it's like, yeah, you got it. You just got to. Mm-hmm. You got to try it. You got to fail. You got to bomb. You got to build. Um, that's how it happens. So, And yeah. you will. And there's like, I, so I, I have a different, I think kind of definition of bombing than a lot of people. I don't consider bombing when a comedian doesn't get laughs. I think there's a thousand factors that could be involved in why a comedian doesn't get laughs. To me, bombing is when you, when the comedian visibly loses confidence on stage. Mm-hmm. That to me is bombing because like a defeat. Yes. Like yeah. the audience is that point one. And it, it, you, you just got to get to a point where you deliver this. Like, don't think of yourself as being, because I'm sure, uh, especially a year in, you're kind of thinking like, well, who the fuck am I uh, in comedy, right? Like, you know, but you have to remember, you're a funny person. Mm-hmm. So carry that confidence with you on stage. You are a funny person, and you know infinitely more, no matter how new you are. If you're a year in and you're somebody who is, you know, worked at some clubs, you did Let's Fest uh, recently, you have infinitely more knowledge than 99% of all of your audiences that you will be in front of. So even if they're not with you, fuck it. You know better than they do. And if you carry yourself right. that way, I've had several times where uh, I've done a show where ne- the crowd necessarily wasn't into it, but people have come up to me afterwards and been like, you know what, I, like, I didn't really care for you, but I could tell like you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you, 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 you have Absolutely. confidence in what you're doing, and that makes such a difference in just the perception and that's kind of what our whole business is about that and you've gotten that wisdom through years and years of seeing any and all crowds i think that is just you just have to well, sometimes that's, it's that's just the, the, like i'm just trying to do it as much as i can mm-hmm. you know and sometimes the crowd just weird they don't want to laugh like the the best reaction i've ever gotten to a show was after the show was over 
I, I'm up there, um, it's just open mic of crackers, and it went okay. Like, uh, you know, I, I did how I wanted to do it, and I thought it deserved a little bit better from the crowd. And it, and it wasn't a big crowd, but, like, I was waiting for the bus, uh, or waiting to go outside for the bus because it was cold. Uh-huh. Literally every person that was there, like, went out of the way to come up to me to say, hey, I, you know, and genuinely say, I, you know, I re- we really enjoyed you or whatever. And, like, <laughs> you could have laughed during the show, but, well, like, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and there's, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of reasons sure. crowds don't laugh. I mean, yeah. somebody you know, has to first. It could be, especially, you know, depending on the crowd size, if it's not a full room, it could be that people are a little isolated. Some clubs don't do a good job of seating people into that bunched group. And if people are isolated, sitting kind of more, you know, away from people, a lot of people are very self-conscious of the how their laugh sounds. Yeah. They don't want people to hear it. So they may be thinking it's really funny, but they're almost suppressing their laugh because they don't want to stand out in right. front of a group of people. They don't yeah, want to be it's noticed. an activity. It's a mm-hmm. group activity, right? Yeah. And we're all in it together. We just so happen to be leading it. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and when you have people seated yeah. together, they're much more comfortable with kind of being vocal about yeah. how they, yes. what they're enjoying. And it could also be that they're tired yeah. and that they think you're funny. They're just fucking tired. It's the late Friday show and they've had a long day of work. Burn calories. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure does burn calories. Yeah. Do you think that's why they have a two drink minimum at comedy? Hello. Oh, I got I got Brent. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, there we go. Now okay. Back, back. Uh, yeah, I, ideally, that's that's we'd love to think it's about the performance, but I think more or less it has to do with comedy clubs want to make money. Like three minutes. Three minutes. Okay. So Fair we enough. got we got three minutes. So in two minutes, give me the best uh, advice that you have gotten in comedy, or if you want to shift out of that, uh, the best experience you've had so far in comedy. Oh man. Uh... I love those. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll try and give you one of both. I'll try you Perfect. one of both. I, again, uh, I don't often, you know, give advice unless asked. So, like you said, you're just getting started. I feel like it just started. So, uh, but from what I've learned, in addition to just hang out, be around, um, I would say, uh, yeah, do it as much as possible. That is my. I think there's just no way around that. And and, and within there, you'll get more comfortable. You'll make more friends. Your friends will put you on shows and, um, you know, just be in the world. I think that is just my main thing. Like you said, if you're really in on it, it should dominate your whole – I think you said the best. It should dominate most of your life. So I'd say if you are if you want to go all in, go all in and do it. Um, at least these are the things I try to remind myself all the time. And then, uh, man, like I, it's hard to like one singular best experience so far. But, I mean, anytime I have the opportunity to – you know, host an amazing show. Like, like we just had a fun show upstairs at uh, Helium with um, uh, Nate Abshire. Do you know I love Nate, Nate Abshire. Cool. That's my dude. Yes, I love Nate. I've so known Nate fun. for a long time. Very fun. Oh, my God. What a guy. Hilarious. So sweet. And we were upstairs and uh, second show. No, yes. Yeah, so, so Saturday night, sold out room. So really indie showed out. And, it, you know, that upstairs room, 60 people. And it was, they were a hot crowd. And, we had a great time. Everyone did so well. So that was probably really great. But um, but really, I'm, I'm grateful for all the opportunities that any anyone's everyone's given me, and uh, just hoping to continue to learn and grow and and give back and um, appreciate you doing doing this podcast so people can learn and and uh, and connect with people. And I, you know, really glad to have met you at um, you know the lab that night. And uh, 
Absolutely. Really yeah. You're doing stuff the right way, so well. keep doing what you're doing, man. Absolutely, Sal. So you guys too, man. You guys are. We ha- we we end the show the same way every time because we have one question for you. If you didn't think this podcast was funny, what? Yes. Comedy is subjective. <laughs>